Welcome to the Fair Talks podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, the Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. On this episode, we focus on sharing stories with you about how fair trade is making a difference in the world. We want to bridge the gap between the consumer and the producer. We want to show you how your purchases at the grocery stores or behind your computer screens is really making a real-life impact on the grounds for another human being on the other side of the world. Today, we get to take a different spin on looking at impact. Over the years at Fairtrade LA, I've met different people asking me, how does Fairtrade measure its impact? And I've always thought that was such a great question, but I didn't know how to answer that. In the big picture, Fairtrade LA made LA the largest Fairtrade city in North America and the fourth largest in the world, which is a big deal. In the big picture, Fairtrade LA made LA the largest Fairtrade city in North America and the fourth largest in the world, which is a big deal. In the big picture, we went from only finding Fairtrade products in niche stores to now seeing it in all the major grocery stores, which is also a huge deal. But in the back of my mind, I always wanted to see how the fair trade movement can truly measure our success. Finally, I think I may have tracked down just the right person to answer these questions. What better way to celebrate and honor this fair trade month, which happens every year in October, than to bring on a guest whose main role is data analysis, the person working closest with these numbers. For those of you who don't know, Fair Trade Month is dedicated to raising awareness about the importance of the fair trade movement to our global economy and promotes buying from businesses that are committed to fair trade in place of those which harms the environment, the economy, communities, and individuals. Today, I'm so excited to talk about the method, the strategies, and the tools in which Fair Trade USA's impact research and learning team has developed to measure success. We have with us Andrea Basidi the Impact Research and Analysis Manager from Fairtrade USA. Andrea was born and raised in South America and Europe, but moved to California to pursue her Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science, Economics, and Policy at the University of California, Berkeley. She has also completed a Data Analytics Certificate from Columbia University. She has focused her career on using the intersection of data, research methods, and context to improve storytelling and decision-making at every level. Over the last three years, she has worked with the Impact Research and Learning Team to develop Fairtrade USA's theory of change, logic model, and key performance indicators. As the Impact Data Manager at Fairtrade USA, she focuses on collecting quantitative and qualitative data to evaluate the program's progress inform learning loops, and showcase value propositions. She is passionate about language, cooking, and tennis. 
Let's dive in and learn more from her about this new program at Fairtrade USA that will really help drive the Fairtrade movement forward. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, I'm excited to share more about this part of the fair trade world. I feel like we're kind of going behind the curtains and diving further into a new part of the fair trade movement. So I'm excited about that. But before we get into that, I really enjoyed learning about your research when you were at UC Berkeley and how that led you to Fairtrade USA. And it is rare to hear that people's research done for a class at a college, at a university actually impact their career path. (laughs) So it's pretty cool that it did that for you. So can you share more about that part of your journey with us? Absolutely. You know, I think it was intentional, but also a little bit of luck here and there. I think the one thing that's sort of really driven my work and my studies has always been that I knew I wanted to do something with a really strong purpose and mission. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that can look like any, you know, it can take any shape or form. But as I was at UC Berkeley, I sort of was surrounded by exceptional students. You know, Berkeley's known for its activism and its being at the forefront for change. But I really noticed that that's not where I thought I would fit in. So I was trying to figure out another path. I really wanted to work. I wanted to take action. I wanted to focus on things that, you know, could create change within the system that we have now. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I fell into the certifications and the labels. You know, they're a perfect combination of how the world works and also striving to push for change. Mm-hmm. So that seemed like a really interesting sector. So I did a bunch of internships and decided to write my thesis on certifications. The idea of my thesis was how can we use existing certifications and labels to certify more products. So how can we increase the number of products that were under the umbrella of certified? So I really worked with that. And then, you know, through that process, I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything from the gaps in certifications, from like greenwashing, mm-hmm. you know, also that there is an extremely vast number of certifications out there, some pretty obscure and some pretty big ones. And then I also learned a lot about the consumer perception of all of these. So it's a fascinating experience overall. And that's sort of how my certification journey started. <laughs> Yeah. And then you had an internship, right, with Fairtrade USA during that time? So actually, that was after college. I started at Fairtrade after college, went, yeah, started with an internship with a very specific research project. And then from there, moved up into assistant and specialist and now manager. So yeah, with Fairtrade. (laughs) Wow. And that was birthed from your time at UC Berkeley. Yeah, so, I did a couple other internships with, you know, TerraCycle and mm-hmm. another one, which are all other types of certifications. So, Wow. So you had mentioned that you learned a lot about greenwashing, which is a topic that a lot of consumers are concerned about. Yeah. So can you tell us more about what you found in your research? How can you tell if a company is greenwashing or not? And what should the consumers be looking for? Yeah, I think this is a fascinating question. I do think it's a pity that we have to ask ourselves and sort of burden the consumer with trying to decipher this. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to break it down. But first, I wanted to define greenwashing. So for those who mm-hmm. don't know, it is when companies essentially spend more money and resources on marketing itself as environmentally and socially friendly mm-hmm. rather than actually trying to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just wanted to make that clear up front. But yeah. I sort of broke it down into three main things to look for. 
And the first one is, you know, is it a large certification? Is it B Corp? Is it USDA Organics? Is it Fair Trade USA? You can hedge your bets that these, they're probably doing a good job. They, they and we, I think, have gained so much traction and popularity that they're already under scrutiny by experts and by mm-hmm. other consumers. So you can probably hedge your bets that they're doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So sticking with the big ones is always a good way to go. And then the other really big thing for me is, are they being verified by a third party? So it doesn't give me much confidence when a certification, you know, sets out to be socially and environmentally responsible and then proceeds to give itself check marks and a pat on the back and then put certification on the seal. That means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when there's a third party that is completely detached and really has no interest in awarding that certification, when they're doing the audits, it's, I think, extremely important because there is a third party with no interest mm-hmm. really deciding whether they deserve that certification or not. So mm-hmm. that's one other thing to keep out for. And then I think the last one is if you want to nerd out, do your research. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Are the certifications publishing studies, reports, detailed results? Do they respond to requests? What's the public opinion? You know, certifications aren't perfect. There's always room for growth. And mm-hmm. are they admitting those mistakes and then working towards improving them? If so, I think that's a fantastic sign. If you only see positive things out there about a certification, that's pretty hard to achieve. So don't believe it as much. Yeah. Yeah. We tell consumers this all the time. Unfortunately, at this day and age, you have to do your own research. And yeah. fortunately, with companies that are doing good, just a little bit of digging and you can find more information. So thank you for sharing that. That's super helpful. So yeah, all that led you to fair trade certifications. And I enjoyed learning about it when we were talking previously, like what made fair trade certification different and what made it stand out to you? Yeah, I think this is a great question. So it was very clear that fair trade is very different in in one respect, and that was community development funds. Mm -hmm. So at fair trade, There is the community development funds, which are also known as the Fairtrade Premium. And that's essentially where our partners sell the product under the Fairtrade USA label. And they pay a premium on it. And that premium goes into a fund. And that fund can be accessed by the producers, workers, and fishers that are producing that product. And that money goes directly to the producers and fishers and the beneficiaries. We don't touch it. The brand doesn't touch it. And then it's spent on projects or in cash payouts, but it's all decided in a democratic process and through a needs assessment, that's all done by the producers. So again, we're very hands-off in this process. We just give them the guidelines on how they should decide and work towards figuring out what projects they need to do, but then they get to spend it. And to me, that was extremely refreshing. It was really a show the fair trade has moved away from the old school form of development of micromanaging and allocating resources without really understanding the reality on the ground. So that was something that pulled fair trade out for me a lot. And it was really what made me focus in trying to find an internship and a job there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was is so fascinating because yeah, a lot of people don't know much about the premium. It just happens. And yeah. every time we hear about the impact it makes on the community part, the actual communities, it's always incredible stories. Our first interview was with Natalie from Producer Services, and she was able to share a lot of firsthand experience with that. So I encourage people to listen yeah. to that episode and learn more. 
So now you're part of the impact research and learning team at Fairtrade USA, and it's pretty new, but I'm very excited about it because like I said, a lot of people ask us, how do you measure impact? And so the fact that we actually have an impact research team at Fairtrade USA is pretty incredible. So tell us about the purpose of this team, what the team hopes to accomplish in the long run, what can accomplish in the big picture for the fair trade movement? Yeah, it is a pretty new team. It really came about thanks to the consumers pushing for, you know, wanting more information, wanting mm-hmm. to know more about what we're doing. Push though has also come from the brands, but sort of a little bit of history lesson. The team was pretty small for many, many years. In 2018 and 2019, Fairtrade USA decided to kind of refresh itself and decided to focus on being a little more data-driven, especially for a nonprofit that's quite innovative. And, you know, maybe it's the influence of the Bay Area, who knows? But there was a lot of hunger and requests for stories and for proof of impact. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we wanted to grow the team And we wanted to be able to prove the value of fair trade to ourselves, first and foremost, but then also to the consumers and to the partners. We want to show everyone that we're doing what we actually say we're doing. And so with that, a much larger focus was placed on the team. The team grew a lot. We're now seven of us. It's quite big compared to Mm -hmm. where it began, which I believe was two. And with that, in 2019, began the building of the impact management system. So... That is usually what's done at nonprofits to define, you know, what the nonprofit is aiming to do, Mm -hmm. to measure it, to evaluate it, and then communicate it. So when I came onto the team, they were just beginning this process, and we proceeded to design theory of change, a logic model, which are really the backbone of this impact management system. And that really just defining, you know, what are we putting in to our program, what's coming out, and what are the outcomes that we expect to see, both in like the short term and the long term. So it gives us something really concrete to measure against. And that's sort of the last technical part of it is that we designed key performance indicators for every outcome so that we can measure from when it started to forever in the future is we have those key performance indicators and we can track progress against them over time. So really exceptional stuff and Mm -hmm. something that has given us the possibility to measure everything and to eventually report out on it. I think sort of the last thing I wanted to say is I would really want to make it clear that the impact research learning team is not uh, the auditing body at Fairtrade. Mm-hmm. So we're in no way going in and, you know, deciding whether the producers should be certified or not. We're just there to collect sentimental data from the perspective of the beneficiary. We want to know if they're doing well, if they're not doing well, and if they're not, why. We want to develop those relationships. We want to go work on the field and be with them and talk to them because that's really the only way we can understand what they're going through and if our program is actually making a difference. And if it's not, why and how can we prove that? So there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, that is very, very exciting to me. I love that. I guess, shift where Fairtrade USA is becoming more of a data-driven nonprofit, because I think in order for a fair trade movement to grow and gain more credibility, we have to have that data to back it up. And I love learning about the progress throughout the years and seeing numbers. Like, yes, I love being on the ground and seeing the impact, but seeing the the numbers and the growth is very exciting as well. And I know we've yeah. seen some big growth the past and few often, years. Often those numbers really don't mean much if we don't have a story around the numbers. So, Mm. you know, the putting both together is super, super important. Yeah. Yeah. So this is great that we are 
transitioning to that, being more data-driven and being able to measure success, which is so important. Sorry to interrupt, but we got to tell you this. Did you know that Fairtrade LA led the campaign that officially designated Los Angeles the largest fair trade city in North America and the fourth largest in the world? We are a nonprofit that exists because of the support from people like you. Become a Fairtrade LA monthly donor to ensure this educational content reaches as many people as possible. Go to fairtradela/donate to pledge your support. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Let's get back to the episode. So we're going to geek out on this for a moment here. <laughs> this is what this episode's about. What are the different areas that the impact research and learning team is looking into? Yeah. So this goes back to our logic model. By the way, this is all on our website. So if anybody is more interested, they can go check it out. We've decided to break it out into four pathways. So the first pathway is the community pathway. And that includes the program participants, so our producers, the fair trade committees, which are also our producers, and then the communities that these producers work in and live in. We then also have the individual pathway, and that's more focused on program participants' individual journey with our program. We also have the industry pathway, which is the retailer, brands, traders, and certificate holders. And then lastly, we have the consumer pathway, and that's all of you. And so... It's really important for us to measure across all of these. We mainly want to learn from our work. We want to you know, inform programmatic decisions. We want to make sure and understand how everything that we're doing is in fair trade is affecting anything from the producer to the consumer, right? It's important to understand the stretch. And yeah, I think that's sort of the four different ones. I don't know if they're clear enough, but if you would like more, any more details or examples. <laughs> Yeah, I will put the links in the in the show notes. But yeah, I, I I like the different pathways because they're all important to measure success. So f- for now, let's focus on the consumer side. Oftentimes, the consumers who purchase fair trade products, it's because the certification ensures that the product is socially and environmentally produced. So how can the consumers be sure that this is happening? How is that being measured? And how are you specifically measuring the individual and the community pathways? Yeah. So with that, I guess I want to talk a little bit about the data that we're collecting and how we're collecting it. So we have a lot of data coming in, but the two that I want to focus on are monitoring and evaluation and in-depth studies. Mm -hmm. So our monitoring and evaluation, also known as M&E, it really heavily relies on my teammates and I to travel physically to the Mm -hmm. field Mm -hmm. to visit these producers so that we can implement these really lengthy surveys. They're about 80 questions Mm -hmm. and they talk about anything from access to water to did they vote in the last uh, premium decision? Did they feel considered? How many kids do they have? You know, a lot of different metrics and it requires us to be on the field. We always want to make sure that we're doing these surveys in private settings that each individual doesn't feel like they need to report false information. They, we want them to feel comfortable. We want them to feel mm-hmm. heard. And so it's very important for us to be there. Mm-hmm. We want the really raw depiction of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to hear their concerns. And often when we just launch these surveys, but we're not there to talk to them about them, you know, we get data, but we don't quite understand what that data means. So Again, really going to the field and developing those relationships is something that is extremely special about our team. 
And I think something that the consumer should be really happy to see mm-hmm. that we're doing because mm-hmm. we are spending a lot of time doing this work and making sure that the data that's coming in is real. And we want to report out real data. You know, if, if the data is bad, we want to understand why. Why don't they have access to water? What can we do about it? Mm-hmm. And so on. I think, you know, most recently I was in Mexico on the East mm-hmm. Coast. We were visiting shrimp farmers, or mm-hmm. shrimp fishers, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it was a fascinating experience. So they were pretty newly certified. They were, they were been with us for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We had the opportunity to speak to them. And then we, first of all, it was amazing because they always welcome us like we're family. You know, mm-hmm. they, was, they were offering us ceviche, oysters, yeah, and tissues yeah. about everything. Which is, yeah, best oysters yeah. and best ceviche I've ever had. Fresh, wow. fresh out of the boat. So it was fantastic. Yeah, wow. But in those conversations, we learned, you know, that their biggest, the biggest issues that they were facing were climate change and illegal fishing, which is not something that we knew before. And it's not something that would have come through in the surveys alone. Yeah. So we learned that they were redirecting their funds towards hiring night patrollers to report illegal fishing so that their Mm -hmm. shrimp, you know, would still be there the morning after. Mm -hmm. So fascinating stories that tell us a lot and give so much color to the data that then we want to communicate out both to internal and external stakeholders. So Mm -hmm. that M&E work is essential and it's super, super special. The other part of the work that we do is these in-depth studies, which is when there's a gap in knowledge, we have questions, we don't understand why we're seeing the results that we're seeing, Mm -hmm. is we launch a bigger in-depth study. And we most recently launched one on the premium projects. So the community development fund can be spent either on projects in the community, or it can be taken out as cash. There are obviously a lot of limitations around this, but to keep it simple, Mm -hmm. let's leave it at Mm -hmm. that. And we wanted to understand what was more effective. There's a lot of literature out there that says cash is more effective because it goes to everyone equally. It's fast, it's in hand. And then there's other literature that says, no, but community projects are more long-term. They benefit twice as many people because actually you're targeting the community, not just the Mm -hmm. workers. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to understand what was going on. We worked on it for three years. COVID slowed us down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in that, we were collecting quantitative data, but also qualitative data. So we would sit down, have some focus groups, talk to, you know, have individual interviews and really collect a lot of fruitful information. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting because we're just now concluding the study and we're about to publish some findings wow. in the next month or so. So keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah. Any teasers um, for us? <laughs> absolutely. So we actually found out that it doesn't matter how the money is spent. Mm. What really matters and what's making the biggest impact is the process of deciding how to spend it. So Mm. we saw come through the qualitative research that, again, it didn't matter if it was cash or if it was in projects. What really mattered was that they were getting together, they were voting, they were communicating, they were feeling heard, and the sense of community was heightened. And that was the biggest most significant change was fascinating and definitely not what we expected yeah (laughs) kind of hard to deal with because we don't know what to do with that now but we're working on it (laughs) yeah which it definitely makes sense because it's and that's why I love the premiums it's like you're putting the power into the community's hands to vote on what their need is and through that process if it is cash payout then that's what's decided but it definitely puts it in their hands to decide like what is the greatest need Exactly. But it is sort of an extra, you know, we're seeing that the fair trade program is working and Mm -hmm. the way that we are asking them to 
deal with these funds and like the process that we've laid out, it's working for them. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. And then sort of the other little teaser is that those who were participating actively were much more satisfied with any and all results. So there was a pretty strong correlation between the participation in the voting and being satisfied with how the money was spent, which was also mm. really great to see. Yeah, that's awesome. They take more ownership. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now consumers, given that information, can definitely feel more insured when they buy fair trade that yeah. this is happening. So now how about the producer side? What is the definition of success and how do you measure that? Yeah, I think honestly, the so the definition between the consumer and the producer side is very similar in the fact that we're collecting all this data, we're then taking it and working on it. So I guess I want to focus a little more on how are we, you know, what's how do we measure success and what do we do with that data? Yeah. And that is a very tough question. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that we've been really battling lately in the last few months. We've had a lot of, we're finally getting to the point where we have this data, we get to communicate it. And then when we're communicating it, internal and external stakeholders come up to back to us and it's like, okay, this is great, but is this good? Is it bad? Like, what are we supposed to be seeing? And that's something that's really hard to answer. So we don't know uh, if they're supposed to be reaching X levels or X percentage of water and food access. Obviously in a perfect world, we always wanna see everyone accessing water, everyone right. accessing food, um, everyone yeah. participating, but that's not going to be the reality in these supply chains. Yeah. So it's really hard for us to know at the moment what numbers we're supposed to be reaching. But what we're really focusing on is, are we seeing growth, right? So are we seeing change from when a certificate holder or a producer joins fair trade to a couple of years later? And that's what we really want to be focusing on. So it's essential for us to get to the ground, conduct these surveys, collect this data right when they join, mm-hmm. see what's going on, and then go back a couple of years later and then compare that data. You know, have they improved? Um, and usually we are seeing within a couple, usually it's two to three years, really significant improvements across all different supply chains. That doesn't look the same in the same, in different supply chains, obviously. We can't really compare like a cocoa farm in Ivory Coast with a blueberry farm in Chile. Mm-hmm. That would be like comparing apples and oranges. But we're working on collecting significant amount of data so that we can start seeing what these journeys should be looking like. So in the future, we're going to be able to say, hey, at year zero, this is where, about where we expect you to be. In three years, this is where we want to see you be, and so on. So we really want to be tracking that journey. We want to be seeing improvements. And and if we're not seeing improvements, you know, what's going on? And that's where we really love to work is where we see things that aren't doing going well. We take it back to our producers and we talk to them about it. We're like, hey, this is what we found. What do you think is going on? How can we help you? and further develop that relationship and really make sure that we help them get to where they want to be and where we want them to be. Yeah. Thanks for being transparent. I know this is not easy work, but also, you know, working with data, it really takes time. Like you don't really see results or you can't really you know, have a definitive answer unless you have time to collect all this. So hopefully within the next Three, five, ten years. We'll have. We're gonna see. We're gonna have more reporting. Yeah. 
from all. And our logic model, you know, really looks at the long-term outcomes. We expect to see changes within seven to 10 years. So mm-hmm. there's a long way to go, mm-hmm. but we've built the base of it and there's so much that we can yeah. build on top of this. And that's really where we're working on. Yeah. I'm excited that this process has begun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So on this podcast, we focus a lot on impact stories and hearing about how individual businesses are making a difference. And I'm really glad today we're looking at the big picture and there is a research-based impact report. So how do you think consumers will benefit from all this information and why should this information be relevant and important for the consumer? Yeah, sure. I think this really goes back to, you know, what makes a good certification. And I think the consumers should really continue pressing and continue asking questions that are what we're seeking to answer. You know, all this data we're collecting because we want to show the impact. We want Mm -hmm. to show that consumers are putting their money in the right place. Mm -hmm. And we want to show that to them, whether it's through numbers, whether it's through stories, and all the M&E work, all the in-depth studies, all the work that we're doing in the impact team and across Fair Trade USA really aims to show that. We want to be transparent. We want to show off, but we also mm-hmm. want to depict the reality. Mm-hmm. And we also want to make sure that, you know, the individual and workplace well-being metrics are improving the program. We mm-hmm. need to see that data ourselves and we need to, we need to have the world see it and the consumers Love to see it. We also have recently done a study. We asked consumers sort of what brought them most to fair trade. And we noticed that they said that it was stories and data. Mm. So it's kind of like a, a loop, mm. right? You want data, we we'll give it to you and we're giving mm-hmm. it to you because you want it. And yeah, just keeping that going. Yeah, I, that's interesting. And that will drive more consumer demand. Because if yeah. they see the data and they see that's working, there'll be more buy-in and grow this movement. So your team is so important. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I said earlier, one thing about research is that it takes time. It takes years to see trends and results and successes and even failures. So what are you hoping, you and your team, what are you hoping the future holds? I know it's important not to be biased in this process, but what do you hope your research will show for the future of fair trade? Honestly, our biggest hope is being able to collect even more data. We want to expand. We want to have data for more commodities, more countries, more certificate holders. And we want to make sure that we have a pretty big sample of all of our supply chains so that we can make claims confidently. At the moment, you know, we have a lot of data, but we also have a lot of supply chains and we don't have a statistically significant sample yet. Mm. And we want to get there. Obviously, it takes a lot of resources and a lot of time. And, and traveling. Nonprofit. Yeah, and traveling. Exactly. <laughs> it takes a lot of physical time. And as a nonprofit, we depend on a lot of grants for this work. So as soon as opportunities present itself with grants, we jump right on it. We go to this research. So honestly, our hope is to continue expanding and to start seeing trends. We don't really care what trends they are, whether they're positive or negative. We just want to start seeing trends so that we can Mm -hmm. take those learnings and put them back into our impact management system to see, okay, this is happening. What can we change? Or like, what can we heighten to make it even better? We just want to see things happen and we want to see patterns so that we can confidently take them and share them with everyone, but also internally work on them. Yeah. 
I'm curious, is there any research done in comparison to like fair trade and B Corps or fair trade and organics? Is that there is not? So internally, we do collect, we have some of our supply chains that are also organics. We collect some data there. We don't have, I guess our aim is not to compare to other certifications because I think our work is fundamentally pretty different, Mm -hmm. but rather compare to ourselves over time is where we really want to focus. And that's what success is going to look like for us is seeing improvement over time. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So enough about research and data. <laughs> On to fun questions to end our conversation. What is your current favorite fair trade product? I'm glad this question is at the end because <laughs> I don't, so I'm not the biggest lover of sweets, which mm-hmm. I know is a criminal thing to say. <laughs> so I think I'm going to say Madewell jeans. Mm-hmm. I love the fair trade jeans. They are soft and they're great and quality jeans, I think are life changing. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited when fair trade or when denim, I started seeing denim become fair trade yeah. and now even target has fair trade jeans, which is so exciting. They're more accessible. <laughs> yeah. And we also want to end every conversation by giving our listeners one simple action step to take. So after talking about all this research and data, what is one thing you want our listeners to do to create a fair world for everyone? And I hope my answer isn't a bit of an escape to this question, but I, what I always say is do what you can and invest your energy where you're passionate. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do. I think if you want to become an advocate and join free trade campaigns, then do that. If you want to increase awareness with your family and friends, do that. If you want to work at a certification body like I'm doing, then do that. If you want to keep buying fair trade products, do that. Or really find what you're passionate about and put your energy there because I think that's where we can all make the biggest difference. And I mean, I couldn't be happier that I'm working at fair trade and that I'm putting my energy into what I love and, you know, having the impact that I can. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You are the example of this. You put your energy into what you're passionate about at UC Berkeley and look where it led you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That is so awesome. Thank you so much. This was so educational. I learned so much and I hope that I'll get our listeners even more excited to support everything that Fairtrade is about. I really appreciate you and this podcast and I love the questions. I love hard questions and I love really trying to answer them and giving the consumers as much as we can. Yeah. Hopefully we'll have you on further down the road when we have more to present. Would love that. Maybe we can talk about some in-depth studies that have actually been published. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be exciting. Well, all of the, well, the impact report and the impact management system, everything we talked about in the podcast will be in our show notes for any consumers who want to dive further into it. So thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Caden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? 
The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.